Our scripture reading this morning is Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8 through chapter 6, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 5, 8 through 6, 9. This is the word of God. If you see in a province that the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, do not be amazed at the matter. For the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. But this is gain for a land in every way, a king committed to cultivated fields. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away with his hand. This is also a grievous evil, just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who tools for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. Behold, I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment, and all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life, that God has given him, for this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them, and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life, because God keeps him occupied with the joy of his heart. Chapter 6 There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on my mankind, a man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. This is grievous evil. If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun, nor known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the one place? All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is never satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows and yet what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of the appetite. This also is vanity and a striving after the wind. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. All right. Thank you, Ryan, and thanks, Michael. Um, hey, I forgot to announce earlier, uh, if you're a college student, so uh, last year we got some uh, Redeemer, uh, uh, Redeemer t-shirts we gave for free to college students. And so this year we got on top of it. So we were a little bit late last year. I think it was uh, late August, early September before we got it out to everybody. 
And so this year we said, hey, in June, we're going to go and start on it. So we did. And then like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And so here we are today, mid-October, and the T-shirts are in. So if you're a college student and would like a T-shirt, the colors are a bit off, but not too far off. Uh, but it does spell Redeemer correctly. So that's, that's the main thing. Uh, so I have these up front. Uh, so uh, come, come get you uh, a shirt for free. And uh, I'd love to meet you as well. So um, anyway, so we're in Ecclesiastes. Um, uh, we've been doing this for quite some time. We'll, we'll do this up until we start with Christmas. Uh, one thing that's interesting about Ecclesiastes is that I'm kind of seeing it everywhere. Uh, I'm seeing it a lot in, in, in movies where, where this theme is coming up. Um, I mentioned, I think in the, in the first series, I might've mentioned Groundhog Day where there's this kind of this repetition of one day, which is a little bit of a play on some of what the, the preacher is talking about in Ecclesiastes. Uh, I mentioned this movie About Time uh, a few weeks ago. It's a real sweet uh, movie. I should, I should say it's not necessarily a family movie. I want to watch it with VidAngel, but they, they carry some of this theme uh, that we're seeing in Ecclesiastes. And th there's another movie that uh, I think carries this theme that we see in Ecclesiastes that some of you with young children might have seen, but it's uh, the movie Soul that Pixar put out, I think about a year or so ago. And, you know, usually we have a Pixar, uh, Pixar cartoonish type movie, you're thinking it's for kids. I think the movie Soul is for men in their 40s. <laughs> And they just hit the wrong target audience. Um, we, we were watching that movie at our house, and we had all the kids in. And I think they were kind of either way on it. And I remember Missy left and came back. And it, it was kind of when kind of the reveal, the main, you know, point of the movie was kind of coming back. And Missy came back in. I couldn't get past. I was trying to explain it to her. And I just started, kept tearing up. Anyway, 40-year-old men, y'all should go see Soul and, and leave the kids away so you can cry and not be exposed. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it, it is interesting with this movie. And so it, some of it is about, it, it, here's, here's kind of what's happening. It's about a man chasing the wind and he misses life's good things. It's, it's kind of that, that simple. I should also say there's all kinds of bad theology in that movie. So it's not like this perfect parable uh, of everything, but it captures this idea of chasing the wind and missing life's good things. So today our passage, uh, Ecclesiastes 5, 8 to chapter 6, verse 9. It's, it's kind of a big chunk there. One of the reasons we did this big chunk is that uh, that, that, that chunk of, of Scripture is a chiasm. Now, I don't know if everyone, anybody's heard that word before, but it's a way that, that uh, Old Testament literature is often put together. <clears throat> and here's how it works. With uh, the, you know, usually, like, if you have, like, a, um, if you're reading an article and you want to get, hey, what's the main idea here that's being talked about? You skip to the end. What's the conclusion? And in, in American journalism, you want to know the main idea, you skip to the bottom, let's read the last paragraph and you get it. But with a, with a chiasm, it's different because the main point is in the middle. And so what happens throughout a, a chiasm is you have these corresponding parts. So you have A in the beginning and A at the end. And then you have B, B, C, C, D. And that D, that part in the middle, is the main idea. And so it's a, it's a little bit tricky to, to teach through, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to go through it uh, in a way that makes sense. You might get lost in between. I might get lost in between. But anyway, I think we'll be able to get to that main idea either way. So, uh, so you know, I mentioned earlier this, this idea with the movie Soul, and this guy's chasing the wind, and he's missing life's good things. And so, so what I want to talk about this morning is about being well, being happy, being satisfied with life, um, 
And the text doesn't use the phrase happy, so I'll talk more about just being satisfied to kind of go along with what the text is, is saying. And so in, in that, I'm going to talk about two kinds of people. I'm going to talk about unsatisfied people, and I'm going to talk about satisfied people. So first, let's talk about unsatisfied people. Now, I need to begin with um, uh, chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, which seems a bit unrelated, but I think it flows into the rest. But uh, we see two things in verse 8 and verse 9. Uh, one, we see that we should not be surprised when the poor are oppressed or when there's a violation of justice and righteousness. That's the world we live in. If there are poor people to be exploited, they will be exploited. Uh, and where there should be justice and righteousness, there will be a void in justice and righteousness. And this just says we should not be surprised when we see it. It doesn't say we should be indifferent or ignore it. It's just saying this is the world that we live in. And then the second thing we see in that passage is that it's a great blessing when those who are in power are not exploiting the people, but instead are committed to their flourishing. And it says there, when a king is committed to cultivated fields. And so this is in the idea of thinking of people in power, there's going to be some people who are going to exploit. And wow, it's a great blessing when those people aren't exploiting, but instead they're committed to cultivating fields, which is basically the flourishing of the people. Uh, because in a sin-soaked world, people in authority are going to look to take advantage of people who are underneath, underneath them. They're going to seek their own good rather than the good of the people. Now, shifting gears into verse 10 through 12, because this, there's this idea of people exploiting others to profit themselves. And so now let's look, look at uh, verse 10 through 12. Verse 10 says this, He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is a vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. So those who love money and what money does for them will never be satisfied with money or with their income. And if our income increases, the demand for that income that just came in increases. And if you were to give me a large sum of money today, I could tell you two things. I could tell you what that money will do for me. And then right after I let that soak in, I'll tell you what that money can't quite do for me. Just a little bit more would get me there. It just wouldn't be quite what I had in mind. And, and it's interesting, verse 12 is telling us that if we're talking about finding happiness or being satisfied with life, a more reliable path towards finding happiness more than accumulating wealth is to be a hard worker. Isn't that interesting? We might think that if I accomplish more, I'll be happier, but this seems to be saying uh, maybe the, the, the one who works hard will sleep better. But more money causes more problems. Some of you might be thinking of the great theologian in the 90s, Biggie Smalls. <laughs> Mo money, mo problems. So my friends from the 90s really get that. Um, everybody else, I'm sorry. Uh, so, so this is a chiasm, as I mentioned earlier. So there's a corresponding uh, part to the, that verse we just read. So let's look at chapter 6. Verse 7 through 9, and this is going to correspond with that last part we just read. Uh, so chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. All the toll of a man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage has the wise man over the fool? And what does the poor man have who knows how to conduct himself before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the appetite. This also is a vanity and a striving after the wind. So 
all this work goes into satisfying an appetite that can never be satisfied. And that's miserable. And again, we see this allusion to a poor man having it better than the wealthy. In verse 9, we read, Better is the sight of the eyes than the wondering of the appetite. Or in other words, it's better to be content with what you have than to let your mind and appetite wander and wander and wander. Now, let's move and look at our next layer. Going back to chapter 5, verse 13 through 17. It says this, chapter 5, verse 13. There is a grievous evil that I have seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt, and those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toll that he may carry away in his hand. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who tolls for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation, and sickness, and anger. There is a grievous evil. And what is this grievous evil? It's heavy language, right? What is this grievous evil? Hanging on to too much money and blowing it on bad ideas. And what else is a grievous evil? The fact that once someone does accumulate all this wealth, they're eventually going to die and game over. It doesn't matter if they were rich or if they were poor. And it describes this man who lives for his wealth as eating in darkness and much vexation and sickness and anger. Isn't that an awful picture? Eating in darkness, frustrated, sick, and angry. And that's the picture we get of those who are trying to be satisfied by money. Even if they are successful towards that end, they'll be miserable. Such is the one who loves money, but cannot be satisfied with money. Now, let's look at the corresponding text in chapter 6, verse 3 through 6. Chapter 6, verse 3 says this, If a man fathers a hundred children and lives many years, so that the days of his years are many, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, and he, has, and he also has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. For it comes in vanity and goes in darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. If a man has a hundred children and lives a thousand years twice over, but his soul is not satisfied with life's good things, says it would be better if he was not even born. Again, this is strong language. But here's what we're seeing in our text is that people who are chasing after the good life and perhaps chasing the good life through money, trying to get money, will find themselves to be unhappy and unsatisfied. But God in his kindness gives good things to us in our lives to enjoy. And these things are simple things, things that we probably have every day. And look, I'm sure all of us have at some point maybe planned a day or a trip and it didn't go well. And, and, and maybe we spent a lot of time planning it or we put a lot of money into it. 
uh, and, and, and in some ways, the time we prepared and the money we put into it and that the trip didn't go well or the, the day didn't go well just made it all the more sour. You know, you tried so hard to make everything work out and it just went awful. And, and I bet at the same time, a lot of us can, can, can remember great days or great moments. They didn't cost a thing and they just kind of happened on accident. Maybe it's just like laughing with family or friends or, or really enjoying the, the people you work with, watching a good movie, reading a good book, uh, you know, a, a warm cup of coffee on, on a cold morning, uh, a, a cool drink on a hot day. You know, there's a, there's a story uh, I've been told. I didn't get permission to tell the story, so I won't tell who I heard it from. But, um, but anyway, um, it's a story about a family that took a trip to, to Disney. And so uh, if any of y'all have ever been to Disney before, it's not cheap. If you, uh, if you like $8 bottles of waters, that's the place for you. Um, but anyway, so you spend all this money. And so, so the, they're, they're coming back, and, and the dad's asking their kids, you know, they, they did this whole trip. You know, it's not cheap. Hey, guys, kiddos, what's the fa- what was your favorite part about Disney World? And one of the kids said, I really like the ice cream. <laughs> we could get an ice cream at Dollar General, you know. And so there's just that sense, and it's just going to show you, is just that we, we try to accomplish these things, right? And we invest money in it, and we try to create it. But you know what? Sometimes it doesn't get better than ice cream. <laughs> That's as good as it can be. It's a sweet thing. Life's good things are sneaky. They don't always come with, with bells and whistles. They don't, they don't always come with, with great planning or with big price tags. And, and sometimes these sweet things in life can even be wrapped in, in somewhat of an inconvenience. So uh, uh, last week, uh, I had to, to run some unexpected errands. And I don't know, so, you know, I'm like, you guys, there's a kind of a lot going on, and, you know, you're trying to make the best use of time, and then something comes up, and, and you got to leave and come back, and it just, it, it throws off your whole schedule, and I kind of plan my days, kind of work in order a little bit, and so when I miss something, miss something on one day, it carries over to the next, and messes up the next. So anyway, I had to run a couple errands. I was frustrated I had to do it. I needed to do it. It's fine. It's my job. So anyway, I'm doing it, but I'm frustrated. And so one of the benefits of, of being a pastor and, and preaching and, is that you, you tend to have Scripture just kind of twirling around in, in your head most of the day. And so I'm in the car, mildly frustrated that I have this air and I didn't, didn't plan, and I'm just thinking about enjoying life's good things. And while I'm thinking about my, my week as a whole and kind of how I schedule things, I was able to take a step back and just think, okay, well, right now, right now I'm in my car. It's a beautiful day, comfortable. And I was listening to a podcast that I I really enjoyed. I I found really interesting. And I just thought, this moment's nice. And and I I think the Lord was perhaps just giving me a 30-minute break I didn't plan on. Just a moment to enjoy. And I just needed to get outside of this big plan of what I do today, tomorrow, and the schedule. Just like, hey, just enjoy this moment. In the car, listening to a podcast, all is well. It's a peaceful moment. You don't always get peaceful moments. And to me, it was just a pleasant moment that I would not do well to look over and just to see as, no, this is only an interruption. This is only messing up my schedule. But I had to to fight for it. And I think for all of us, we have things interrupt us, and we assume these interruptions are not from the Lord, right? We we assume that that this is is a problem. This isn't going the way I have, but... What if these things are, are, are from the Lord, and what if they're actually a gift to us from the Lord? God gave me an unscheduled break in the middle of the day 
to relax. And that moment was pretty sweet. And I think our inability to live in the moment can rob us of a lot of joy. It's a terrible thing to be unable to enjoy life's good things. And maybe it's because we're too busy. Maybe it's because we're too stressed. Maybe it's because we're chasing the wind somehow. But we need to remember what we read in Ecclesiastes 4, 6. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil and striving after the wind. Maybe instead of trying to figure out how to get two handfuls, we would do better to learn to become content with quietness in one handful. Now, let's look at uh, chapter 6, verse 1 through 2. And, and, and as, I, as I read uh, chapter 6, 1 through 2, consider this question. What is evil? Chapter 6, verse uh, 1. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, and it lies heavy on mankind. A man to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor, so that he lacks nothing of all that he desires. Yet God does not give him the power to enjoy them, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. A grievous evil. A man gets wealth, possessions, honor, likes nothing that he desires. Sign me up. I'd like that. I daydream about that kind of stuff. But you know what he says? But he does not have the power to enjoy them. And what's the language used to describe that? Evil. And, and doesn't that tell something about our God? what he considers, what he thinks about our enjoyment and joy, I think it's important. I think we're created to know these things, and I think these things are gifts from God that we're meant to enjoy. And it is a grievous evil if you get wealth, possessions, honor, and like nothing, but God does not give you the power to enjoy it. That's a different way of understanding evil, isn't it? But according to the word of God, enjoyment is not created by us. Even if we can generate wealth and possessions, it's with, enjoyment is withheld or given by God. So if you're going to be a happy or satisfied person, it doesn't depend on how much you can achieve or earn or obtain, but on whether or not God gives you the power to enjoy it. It's a new way of thinking about depending on God. Now, let's consider briefly what it looks like to be satisfied or happy and how it comes about. So my second point, we'll talk about satisfied people. Uh, let's look at chapter 5, verse 18 to 20. Now we're, we're getting to, to the meat of it. So uh, 18 and 19 is kind of that last part. It corresponds with the last part we talked to. And verse 20 is the center. It's the middle of the, of the, of the chiasm, the main point. So it says this, uh, um, chapter 5, verse 18. Behold what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toll with which one toils under the sun with a few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth, possessions, and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toll. This is the gift of God. Verse 20, For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. The sweet spot in life is verse 20. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. That sounds pretty sweet. So where is satisfaction in life and happiness found? In eating, 
and drinking, enjoying our work in the short time that God gives us. We, we, we've each been given a, a lot in our lives. And I think the book of Ecclesiastes is teaching us something unique, even unique to us who are Christians in, in the church. And, and the message is this. The lot that we have been given comes and goes quickly. Life is short. We're under the illusion that life is not short. It, it, seems, it seems long, but, it, but it's not. If you were to, to take a, a piece of thread and, and stretch it from Miami to Seattle, and then take a, a pen and, and mark your, your life, just a little dot on that thread that stretches from Miami to Seattle, that little dot that you would put on that piece of thread would, would be a gross exaggeration of the length of your life in view of eternity. Our lives are short. And since our lives are so short, almost so short that some might say it's meaningless, like the preacher in Ecclesiastes, then we would do well to accept the lot that God gives us and to make the most of it and enjoy the lot that God has given us. Another way to put it is life is short. Enjoy the lot God gives you. And in light of that, we should quit chasing after the good life, trying to create it and generate it through wealth or possessions, and just enjoy the things that God already gives us, that are already there. Because even if you acquire all the things that you think will make you happy or satisfy you, as we see in the text, unless God gives you the ability to to enjoy it, then you're going to be miserable with it. It's possible to have a high degree of achievement. However, you, 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 you see success, and we all have ways that we validate ourselves or measure success, and, and for some people it's money, for some people it's other things, but even if we obtain that thing that we have in our mind, like this is it, this is when I've made it, even if we get there, if God withholds our, the ability to enjoy it, then what we see in the text is that it would be better off having never been born. <laughs> this big language it keeps on using. But the preacher says it would be a grievous evil to chase after happiness while looking over the good things of life that God is continually giving you to enjoy. And so the whole idea we're seeing here is that God in his kindness is giving good gifts, but we tend to miss it because we've got an idea of happiness that we continue to chase after and we're blinded to the things that God gives us continually. So what do we do? What's the application here? I see four things, and they're weird. What do we do? Eat, drink, enjoy your work, accept your lot in life. I feel like I could come up with a better application, but this is what the Word of God gives us. So let's go with that instead of what I can come up with, right? But, but why should we do that? And, and why should we take that, this in? And this is, in some ways, talking about the, the simple things of life. It's not like these, it's just excluded these four things. The, the simple things in life. But, but, but why should we do that? Because these things, these simple things, it's the gift of God to us. We're people of the new covenant. And so, and so we understand our salvation as a gift. I mean, I, I bet all of us could go on and on about the gospel is the free gift of salvation. It's not something we do and work and earn. It's, it's, it's the gift of God. And what are we seeing in the Ecclesiastes about enjoyment? It's the gift of God. And if you try to make it happen through wealth, possessions, or whatever, you're going to miss it. Even earlier on, it's saying if you try to get there through wisdom and intellect, like it's, that's meaningless. 
because it's the gift of God. Enjoyment is God's kindness to us as a gift. I bet a lot of you have memorized Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. So our being saved is a gift from God. And you know what else is a gift from God? Eating, drinking, finding enjoyment in your work. The enjoyment of life's good things are a gift from God. And we shouldn't view the little things in life we enjoy as unspiritual. Those little things in life are God's gifts to us. Therefore, those little things that seem unspiritual are deeply spiritual. I mean, I I, I mentioned this too much, but like warm coffee on a cold day. It's finally cold. It's so great, isn't it? And that's God's gift. And I don't need to see this as just like, oh, this is just me being, being weird. No, this is, God knew a warm cup of coffee on a cold day would be sweet. And I should see that as coming from his hand. And this is why wealth doesn't automatically mean someone will be happy. And, it, and it's why that, that being poor doesn't mean someone will be unhappy. Because happiness, satisfaction, and enjoying life's good things are ultimately a gift from God and not something we can produce from ourselves. Some of you might remember what it was like, perhaps for you, you understood the gospel well, and you thought you had to, to earn your salvation. You had to be good enough for God to like you, to not be mad at you, to not go to hell. You thought you had to be good enough for God to accept you, and your experience of trying to get to God to, to, like, to, to like you, or to not be mad at you, or at least avoid his punishment, it probably felt like chasing the wind. Because you probably have like a good, uh, you know, maybe you go to a conference, you, you commit your life to Christ, and then you come back and, man, you're in the same old things again. You keep on messing up and you're, you keep on trying to get good enough for God. And at some point it clicked. Well, my, my salvation really is a gift and it doesn't depend on me. And while I need to repent from the sin, my salvation doesn't rest on this sin. And it was a sweet relief. Well, perhaps we should consider applying the gospel to our enjoyment of life's good things. And wouldn't it be sweet to, to quit trying to create the good life and instead simply just receive it as a gift and open our eyes to what the Lord continually gives us, the most simple things? Well, I pray that God would give us eyes to see it, not, not just our salvation as a gift, but the, the enjoyment of life's good things as a gift. He is kind to sinners like you and me who don't deserve it. It's not that we're so good that we should enjoy life. It's not that we've earned it. It's God's grace. It's like our salvation. Our God treats his children better than we deserve. He already gave his son for us when we didn't deserve it. How small of a thing it is for him to give us enjoyment in life's good things. And it honors him when we enjoy the gifts he gives us. Let's pray. Father, you are kind and gracious to sinners. I know I have ideas of how to accomplish the good life and happiness, and I will be like that character in the movie Soul, and I will chase after the good life and run right past the sweet gifts that you give me on a daily basis. And would you give us the eyes to see your kind hand providentially uh, giving us the good things of life to enjoy. And may we honor you in enjoying those things. 
In Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.